At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. Hey, what's up, guys? So listen, welcome back again. As always, it is great to have you guys along for the ride and listening in to the HVAC Know It All podcast on a weekly basis because without you guys, there is no podcast whatsoever. I am just talking into space. Well, I talk into space anyway when I'm by myself. That's how I think. I just talk to myself and think out loud. But having an audience that consumes this is is very cool to me. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. On this podcast, guys, I'm going to talk about quickly a call that I just did that I found really interesting and my HVAC sixth sense was tingling and I'm like, nah, it's not that. I feel there's something else here. And then I'm going to play some audio for you from a job I did last week where I ripped the burner apart out of a York rooftop, did some repair work, and I had some issues afterwards trying to get the thing to fire and I'll tell you what it was and what I did temporarily to get the machine going. Anyway guys, this is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know It All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Here it is, Lennox unit heater suspended in a small warehouse. There's a person that sits in an office that's open to the warehouse. There is a rooftop that straddles his area and another area, but the thermostat's in the other area, so it doesn't really know what he's getting or what he needs. So... The primary source of heat for him is a unit heater and the thermostat is just a few feet away from his desk. The The unit heater wasn't working. Okay. So the steps to, if you guys want to go listen to my, uh, basic troubleshooting steps of an HVAC slash R call, it was the podcast just before this one. So go and listen to that one. Cause obviously I went through my own steps. You talk to the customer, find out what's going on. Um, visual inspection of things, check for power. Yeah, I got main power. Check for control power now, right? Um, The thing, here's the thing. It had a control board with an LED that had a heartbeat, okay? It had the correct primary voltage to the machine. It was a heartbeat. It was calling from the thermostat, so it should have been working. So the next thing for me to check is my secondary power, my control voltage. The control voltage was not, um, it was present, but it was not correct, I was getting 20 volts at the R terminal down to the stat, 20 volts back up to W1. Here's the funny thing. I was getting 27 volts at the transformer that feeds the board. Okay. So I'm like, hmm, what's going on here? First off the bat, you think it could be the the circuit board, not, not relaying enough power, right? Back down to the stat and back up to W1. But my HVAC six sense was tingling a little bit. And I'm like, I'm going to jump out this limit switch 
temporarily to see what happens. As soon as I jump it out on the board, now I got 25 volts instead of the 20 or 21 or whatever it was. It, it was, it was much lower than it needed to be. And as soon as I jumped it out, the thing clicked and started to call and started to run. So obviously I've got a bad limit switch because I bypassed it and everything was fine. So got a new limit, put it in, test ran it. Everything was good. Okay. Gas pressure was good. Airflow was good across it. There's no ducting or anything. So we don't have to check static pressure, but that was what the problem was. It was a limit switch that was causing the board, I guess, resistance through the limit switch. A small amount of resistance was causing that voltage drop, causing the board to output the wrong control voltage, which wasn't allowing the machine to come on. So these are the things that you have to do when you're out on site. A lot of people said, um, or could have said it was the board, but there's no verification there to know if it was the board or not. So you got to go through some steps. You got to verify that there's a problem with a machine, right? Before you say it's that, go get, go get a, a board and put it in and go, oh, it's the same problem. Okay, someone told a story on Instagram when I posted this about the same thing. It was a furnace putting out like 16 volts, I believe, and they replaced the limit switch and everything was fine after that. So just goes to show you guys, check those limit switches, make sure that you have proper power through them. That's that's the other thing. I went and checked power across it um, and I was getting power in right from from the uh, from the circuit and the power out of that limit switch had dropped three volts there was a voltage reduction there that's that was causing all my issues so these are the things that you need to check and be on top of anyway let's get to the burner repair and what that problem was all right so i'm not going to spend too much time here because i'm going to play the audio for you from the job all you need to know here is that it was a york rooftop i had two burners second stage burners been disconnected long story okay long long story as to why maybe we'll get into that one day First stage was not lighting, had a problem. Okay, so I find on these Yorks all the time that these pilot tubes, they get rusted, um, they get clogged, they don't distribute gas properly or evenly across. Rollout switches, always change them on a York unit every time I work on the heating section. I'm not going to pull the burner out, change the pilot tube without changing uh, the ignition, like the spark ignition, and the flame sensor. Okay, there's no point in... like very cheap and expensive parts the the other thing you have to change with the pilot tube is the orifice it's just they just come hand in hand um, for me anyway and because the critical nature of this machine it takes care of a high-end facility which is a pharmaceutical site if it's not heating and there's a, a temperature excursion where the temperature is out of range potentially the product needs to go into quarantine that's around that area if it goes into quarantine, potentially gets thrown out. There's money lost, there's paperwork, there's emails, there's time lost from responding to all of this stuff. So I said to myself, if we're doing this, we're going to do it properly. I also changed the ignition module because it's original to the unit. It's been there for five, six years. So I want a problem-free unit running through the winter, right? So that was all done. Those, those parts were all ordered, picked up, quoted, put it all together, had an issue, with it firing first first spark igniter had a problem again had an issue with it firing second spark igniter had a problem and after you listen to the extracted audio i'll explain a little bit more what i did all right before we get into the 
the extracted audio here. Let me talk about flares for a minute. The discussion comes up anytime there's a new tool that's technology sort of advanced that, hey, it's taken the skill out of the trade. Well, I mean, everybody's got their own opinion. If you're doing a lot of flares, guys, you can do it by hand if you want. That's, that's, your, that's your call. If you want to use something that makes it for you, that makes them for you 100% correct and right, repeatable, 45 degree angle every time, check it in a flare gauge to make sure they're right. The Navac NEF6LM does that for you, okay? How do we make it leak free? Well, a lot of people say refrigeration oil. You don't need Nylog because Nylog, this and that and this. Everybody loves Nylog except for a handful of people. We're gonna get to you guys. We're gonna, we're gonna, con- <laughs> we're gonna convince you sooner or later. Nylog blue is POE oil at a different viscosity. It's not some crazy, weird goop that somebody made in a factory. It's POE oil made at a different viscosity. John Pastorello squeezed Nylog Blue into a vial of POE oil, and guess what? It became a homogenous, homog- homogenous, homogenous mixture within within minutes, meaning it became uniform. Okay, um, YJ makes a fabulous torque wrench to make sure the nuts are in place properly. Go to the manual. See what the specified torque setting is for that nut. On the YJ torque wrench, you set it up. So as you're tightening, it alarms when you get to that specified um, set point. Now, it also has an offset that doesn't allow you to strip or round out the nut, which is an added bonus. So those three tools there, well, one's a product, like a chemical product, but those three things are going to help you with a badass flare that doesn't leak. Um, Supco is doing something truly amazing that no other brand in the HVAC industry, I don't believe is doing. And that is they've created their, their trade Fox brand, which is tools invented by technicians for technicians in the trade. Now there's, there's an email you can send your ideas to actually the, the email starts with ideas, ideas at supcotradefox.com. That's where you send your your ideas to. You can work with them. They'll help you bring it to market, create a prototype, whatever, as long as you guys can agree on the terms of everything. So check them out, guys. Supco, the Trade Fox brand, coming out with a lot of badass tools, technician invented. Ideas at supcotradefox.com. All right, guys. So we have a carryover tube to replace on a York burner. Now, this is a two-stage burner. Only the first stage runs, it's a long story why, but the second stage is disconnected. Like I said, long story why, but the first stage is not lighting. And what I find is the carryover tube in these things, they become a problem. They don't distribute gas properly for the pilot and it doesn't light off. And you can take them out and clean them sometimes and it works, but I find replacing them is the best course of action here. So that's what we're gonna do on this particular machine today. So here's the burner here. Okay, the bottom one is the second stage top one is the first stage now the bottom one's not being used at all it's it's fully disconnected okay gas is off the gas valve the it's disabled electrically as well now the top one here when it goes to light the pilot it's not being distributed evenly across the pilot tubing or the runner tube and because of that the flame sensor is not picking up and it's not going to main flame so we are going to replace the pilot tube right here. Now what can happen is these holes are really, really fine and small. And what can happen is if the pilot tube gets 
some stuff inside of it and it starts blocking up these holes it can cause an issue now, yeah yeah you can take them out you can blow it out you can clean it but i find if you're going to take it out you might as well just get a new tube and stick it in because it's going to help with the longevity of the machine it's going to help it run better you don't want callbacks in the middle of the winter time and whatnot so we're going to replace this entire tube all right so now the burner's out pretty simple to take out it's just a union disconnect some wires from the gas valve and the flame sensor and the spark igniter. You remove those, you can pull the burner right out, just a union and a couple of screws. So here is the existing pilot tube, runner tube. And you can see why, you can see why we might have issues with gas distribution. And you can see why I'm gonna change it. And I'm also gonna change the igniter, the sparker right here and the flame sensor, which is down here, because that's not in very good shape either. So we're gonna change both of those, along with the tubing here, and we're gonna get this machine back up and running. Okay, so now what you guys wanna do is when you remove this tubing, there's an orifice in here that is basically crimped onto the tubing right here. So when we take this apart, you're gonna see the orifice. I recommend you get a brand new orifice every time you change one of these. They're inexpensive, and it gives you insurance that the machine's gonna run better. Here is the orifice here. Here's what it looks like. So we're gonna pull that one out. We're gonna change this one as well. Now there's little little clips here, or they're, they're kind of like nuts almost. So we gotta spin those off as well to get this tubing off. There's the other one back in there. And when I'm done, I don't put those back. I like to get actual nuts. Okay, and I'll get you the size. I'll tell you the size in a bit when I put them back on. But I, I like to get the actual nuts to put back in place rather than these clips. Alright, so everything is out. I got the pilot tube out. I got the sensor, the sparker out, and the orifice out. Now these little clips here holding the uh, the tubing on, they're a pain in the ass to get off once they start rusting like this because they don't turn very easily. So what I did is I just took these Nipex or Knipex as I think you're supposed to say. 12-inch uh, Cobras and I just ripped them right off. These things were badass for that and the grip is phenomenal on the end of these. So that's what I did. I just ripped it right off. And we're gonna go put this all back together okay, so now. There is a nut and a washer on there. We gotta do the same for all of them. Much better than the original setup. It's gonna hold it on much better. And when you take it off, it's gonna be a lot easier to take off. That is 10-24, eighth of an inch nut on there. So if you guys are interested picking up some nuts and some washers, this is a better way to do it, I think. So here we go, new flame sensor, new pilot tube, much better. Okay, sparker right here, and new orifice. So we're gonna slide this back in, and we're gonna test it out. Okay, so the burner's back in, we're wired up. Good thing to do is take a picture of where the wires go. It's very easy to put them back afterwards. We still gotta take some zip ties and make everything nice and neat. The other thing we're gonna do here, and I preach this, and I've made a video about this before, which I will put up there for you guys to click on, is rollout. Anytime I do a heating repair on one of these York rooftops, I always replace the rollout because they cause a lot of intermittent issues. Sometimes you actually have power going to the ignition module on the rollout terminal, okay? And it's still not firing up. As soon as you jump it out, it's fine. So intermittently, they cause issues and it's an internal issue with the rollout itself, okay? Where it still looks like it's providing power but there's something going on inside there that doesn't allow the current to flow through properly to the ignition module so it doesn't fire up. So we're changing that. And because this unit runs pretty much all winter long, because it's on the northeast corner of the warehouse, 
Um, it's a pharma warehouse. It runs all year long, pretty much. And because of the intermittent issues I've had with this burner lighting, I'm also going to replace the ignition module. It's a very, very inexpensive insurance for this machine to run because what happens if this machine fails in the middle of the winter, their sensors go off. They have temperature excursions. The product could be in risk of being damaged. Okay, so very inexpensive insurance for an older ignition module. This thing's probably about six years old now. So I'm gonna get it changed out along with the other parts. And we're gonna ensure 99.9%, not always 100, that we're gonna have this machine running in heat all winter long without any issues. Okay, so we got some problems here. Everything's back together. The brand new ignition control is in, but it's not firing. We have power to TH and rollout. What I did was I took the rollout off and jumped it out just to make sure the rollout wasn't a problem. Okay, so we might potentially have a warranty issue here on a brand new ignition control. Luckily, I have the old one still, but I also have a couple brand new other ones that are gonna go in some other machines. So I might try another brand new one out here, see how it goes. So after a little bit of head scratching, I found the problem why this thing wasn't firing up. This brand new sparker here inside, when you take the, uh, the heat shrink off, was barely even connected. So there was no resistance, it was open. So I could not create a spark and I could not light the gas. So I'm gonna change this sparker out and this should solve the problem. So after my repair, I noticed that there was a smell of gas, quite strong actually. So I grabbed the big blue, the dauber bottle. And if we go to this union right here, we can see it, it's, it's a pretty big leak. And that's why the dauber sometimes is, is good because you can hold it right against where the leak is and it shows itself like that. Sometimes if you just coat it with soap and it's a big leak, it doesn't really show up. But as soon as you hold the dauber against it, like you've seen before, there we go. You can see it bubbling through. All right, it's running now. See that vapor, water vapor coming up and fogging up the camera. So what happened was I put that new sparker in, okay? I was getting a really weak spark, I could hear it. I thought it might have been a ground issue. I tried the ground in different spots. That wasn't working. So I pulled the sparker out. I put it against ground, like basically put it against the panel here and watched it spark. It was a great spark, but then I took the corner of the bracket and that was also sparking, very, very weak. So that told me that that ceramic casing was leaking through onto the bracket which was now creating the path to ground and causing it to spark. So when it's installed like that, basically I'm losing spark because now that spark is going to the, the actual bracket holding up the sparker instead of down to the, the pilot tube where it's supposed to spark. So what I did was I taped it up, okay, I taped up that bracket, poked some holes in it and then screwed it back in. So now it's insulated from the bracket and the spark is now feeding itself down to the pilot tube and not dissipating causing my weak spark and if you guys hang on for a minute I'll just play that video and post the picture there of how I taped it up just as an experiment but it seemed to work so that's it guys watch out for this in the future with sparkers because if there's any leaks to ground 
through them, you're going to have spark issues, okay? Happy HVACing, guys. I'm out. Okay, yes, I know you couldn't see that last part, but basically that was my wrapped up insulated spark igniter that went back into the unit. And it was insulated from the main bracket that it was mounted to. And because of that, the spark wasn't dissipated across. Okay, the spark was stronger where it needed to be at the pilot tubing and it lit every time on a bunch of attempts. Okay, so... There is a great quote by Albert Einstein. I got to paraphrase because I don't know the exact wording of it, but basically it's along the lines of you do the same thing over and over and over again and expect different results. That is a definition of insanity. So instead of me going back to the supplier, getting another spark igniter, putting it in and expecting something different, I wasn't about to try that because that was the second one I tried. I wanted to try something different, so that's why I taped it up, insulated it, put it back in, and I and I had some luck. I also found out that potentially we might have a bad batch of spark igniters, and I'll have to bring this up with the with the supplier and the manufacturer. Because if the batch is bad, somebody should look at it, right? And potentially remove it, or maybe I just got a couple of bad ones. That's also a possibility. But now I know for myself, right? When I take another one back, if I put it in, it's the same result, then I'm like, hmm, something is not right here. So there's there's certain things you need to do on a call, guys, that is frustrating to get through it. And changing up your method or your attack or, or the tactics of how you're hand, handling the call and thinking outside the box sometimes will get you to where you want to go right? But you have to think out the box sometimes, or you might not find a weird issue like that. Okay. I always, always, always stress guys, think outside the box, be visionary in your thoughts and your troubleshooting, right? And don't have tunnel vision. On that being said, I'm out. Happy HVACing. Oh, by the way, by the way, if you want, I'm going to leave a video link to the video we just played. And I'm also going to leave an article that a quick article that I wrote about it, uh, wrote about this problem for you to read through as well. So you can tackle it from all, all sorts of ways from the video, from the podcast you just listened to and to reading a short article about it. Okay. Anyway, now I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.